This is In Tune, the in-series podcast, opening up to you your own in-series opera and more, an oasis of intimate, innovative, and inspiring ideas through music, theater, art, and opera. We're recording on September 13th, and this is a shorter update episode, and we'll be talking about, among other things, Viva Verdi, The Promise Ends opening, which was this past weekend, and the reception it's had, and recapping the week here at InSeries, where we officially began our Revolution 2018-2019 season. I'm your host, Timothy Nelson, Artistic Director of the InSeries, and it is a clear, if overcast, Friday, Thursday morning here. Um, and I had all prepared to have a cheeky blow winds and crack your cheeks, rage blow you cataracts and hurricanos uh, quip from King Lear. And it turns out we might dodge Hurricane Florence. One of our uh, singers, a wonderful tenor named Brian Ariola, who's going to be on an interview on Intune coming up, uh, lives in North Carolina and drove up yesterday to avoid the storm. So we're all set to hunker in and uh, produce Viva Verdi this weekend at the Source Theater. Uh, we opened this past weekend, uh, and it was, uh, well, it was a, a very full experience, is the best way to describe it. Um, I said in my opening speech that I didn't, what I've been saying here, that opera is a word I feel uncomfortable with, and I think is a poor word to descript- describe it rich art form and I told the audience that the only word I could come up with for what we had made because it wasn't an opera it wasn't a play it's certainly not a concert uh, was to call it an emotional multitude and I was really gratified to see that so many of the audience and the reviewers uh, embraced that idea and mentioned it we also uh, came up with the idea to let folks who have purchased a ticket and seen the show come back again as as a theater review from this morning said they hadn't seen a show that was so determined by where you sat in the audience. Uh, And this is because uh, so much of how we understand text, particularly when text is difficult to understand when it's on top of music, is based on seeing the mouth of the performer. So if you sit on the audience left or audience right side, uh, you hear totally different phrases and fragments of text pop out over the music. Um, So we've encouraged people to come back, see it multiple times. It's not the sort of work that you're going to get everything out of the first, second, third time. I'm terribly proud of that. Uh, So what we're doing is if people come once, they can come back again for free. They can even bring a friend for half price. Now that's pending availability, and I have to say uh, gratefully that the show is, is almost sold out for the entire run. So if you don't have your tickets... Come get them now. If you're planning on coming back a second time, do it sooner rather than later because we're, we're building momentum. A lot of that momentum, I have to say, is because of uh, our debut review, or rather my debut review and the company's uh, debut review under new artistic directorship um, in the Washington Post by Anne Majette. And Anne is a critic who has followed me for a long time, and, and she was originally with the New York Times. I knew her before she, she came to D.C. and replaced Tim Page. Um, and she is a woman who I admire terribly. Uh, she's, a, she's, she's uncompromising in her criticism, and I respect her because she makes criticism and writing about uh, art and music in particular. She makes 
that an art in and of itself. She's been very tough on me, as I know she's been very tough on many of my colleagues, and I have not always found her fair, but I've always found her right and intelligent and um, terribly dedicated to the truth beyond, beyond the performance. Um, she's held my feet to the fire many, many times, and I imagine within series, she will, she will do that. And she, despite us barely knowing each other, um, she's one of the critics who, uh, one of the forces, I can even say, which has made me a better artist um, and, and does, pushes me to be the best version. I know what she'll do for in-series is push us to be the best version of ourselves, to stay true to our mission, um, and to expand that mission as the times expand and as times change. Um, I think she is an asset to Washington, D.C. Um, even though with a piece like Viva Verdi um, that is as risky as Viva Verdi, that is as new and untried, it could have been a, a decimating, a shattering review. Um, and, and actually, in, in a positive way, it was a shattering review. Um, she, she said many things in the review which I found quite touching. Um, one particular line is, is that she says uh, that a raw nerve of music was exposed and laid directly on my own nerves and I found myself fighting tears without being able to say entirely why. And just before that in the review she says, uh, what I really wasn't prepared for was the visceral impact it had on me to sit in a small space and have this powerful beloved music in my face, enacted by people who are mining both the dramatic and musical meaning of each line, resulting in an emotional directness that bypassed reason or analysis. Uh, as artists, uh, you, um, you struggle with criticism and you struggle with reviews. And you put so much, uh, if you're doing your job right, you put so much of yourself, uh, your energy, your time, your story, um, your essence, really, into the work you're making. And it's very, very difficult um, to have that picked apart and sometimes trivialized, sometimes um, minimized, uh, and most mostly misunderstood. I've, I've had a lot of criticism, and of course I do work, and I hope in-series will do work that's untried, that's risky, and that means it doesn't always work. Um, that means what it's reaching for isn't always clear, and by that I mean um, sometimes it's judged in the parameters that a normal piece of work would be judged when it's actually reaching for something completely different. And that often means it's not understood, and you read reviews and they are disheartening, that the reviewer just simply did not understand what you were doing. Um, Anne's review for, for Viva Verdi was resoundly positive, and I'm, I'm very grateful for that um, and touched by it. And a lot of people have remarked on how her, her review felt more like an essay on the art and on opera than it did as a review. And even if it had been... Um, soundly critical, um, as much as that might have hurt pride, uh, I still would have appreciated the fact that it is a rare occurrence where the critic got the piece. And I'm, I'm 
most grateful and most touched by that. I want to read the last sentence in her review because um, that's where it, it really comes to the fore, how much insight she had into what we were trying to make. And it's, and it's also a beautiful piece of, of writing. She says, art is naive. There's something painfully innocent about the attempt to forge a meaningful statement out of nothing, to stand up in front of people and sing or play or speak with all your heart, knowing you may look foolish, knowing you may spectacularly fail. Our big institutions, the mighty choruses and orchestras and theaters that offer Verdi Requiems and King Lears, generally insulate us and themselves from this kind of failure. At the very least, they are offering established masterpieces, works that are beyond criticism. It's not easy to put these works back in the hands of individuals and allow them a new hearing with all the vulnerability and risk involved. This piece to me did that and said something significant about art in the process. Um, yeah, there's not much more to say than that. Um, the piece continues for two more weeks. It's very well sold. Um, and I'm proud, and I want to be honest about saying it isn't for everyone, um, and certainly not on the first hearing, uh, but it's for everyone to try, and it's a bold statement, and I'm, I'm really proud of our team and the artists and the audiences for being brave enough to, to go out on the extreme verge, as Lear would say, and to try something new. And I think the piece represents the sort of work in series is uniquely capable of doing and offering. I went yesterday uh, to Halcyon House, the mansion in Georgetown, where uh, there are a group of innovators from around the globe chosen. Um, this was cohort nine, the ninth uh, edition. Uh, and these are a group of young uh, idea makers who have, have some idea which is at the intersection of uh, entrepreneurship and social justice, innovation right at the, that nexus point. And so much of the talk, and Earl Stafford, the great philanthropist um, and businessman, uh, was part of a discussion there was about uh, risk and about a society where we need not be afraid of failure, that failure is part of the journey towards uh, making something new and meaningful. Uh, and it made me reconsider Anne's review and to, to think again about what she was saying about the risk uh, we need to take in art if we're going to make a real contribution to, to the conversations going on in our community. Um, we also had good reviews from Broadway World uh, and um, Theatre Bloom, which is an online uh, blog, wonderful blog about theatre in the Baltimore, D.C. area and also the D.C. theatre scene. So we're, we're really gearing up for a, if not dry, only slightly wet um, second weekend starting this Friday and playing Saturday and Sunday as well. Uh, we have other performances next Wednesday and the following weekend. So again, check us out, www.inseries.org if you don't have your ticket. Um, again, if you want to come back, please, please come back and try us. This is, we want people to understand that art is a process and not a product. Um, also in an effort to fully engage, we've put the full script online. Um, because I'm a big geek, it is annotated with where all the sources 
come from. A lot of it, of course, is from Marjorie Garber in her book, Shakespeare After All. I had a lovely note from her yesterday um, saying how excited she was for us and, and thanking us for letting her be a part of it, but of course the thanks should go the other way. It's, it's really um, her piece in a beautiful way. Uh, essays, interviews with the artists, uh, that's all online at the Viva Verdi page. Um, and we've been pushing some hashtags, they're not catching on, but I'm insisting. Uh, in Verdi Veritas, particularly proud of that clever if I rollable quip, and hashtag emotional multitude. Um, we're also doing a selfie contest, faithful listeners, if you want to take a picture of anything related to, Ver to Verdi or Shakespeare, or if you come to the show with your program, we have a selfie station. And the tag for that is hashtag in series selfies. We'll choose the best pick and uh, give a pair of tickets to the show of your choice. Um, we're also doing a series of artist profiles. If you go to our Instagram, um, page or uh, to our Facebook page, which is in series backslash, uh, Facebook backslash in series. Uh, you can check that out. Every couple days we're putting up a profile of a different artist. Um, there's been guest blogging on uh, Is5, our in series blog. Um, and I'm going to do an interview soon with Brian Ariola, who is a phenomenal tenor and actor and performer and human being, um, who I've known for a long time, probably about 12 years, um, and we've done many projects together, and I was so happy to bring him up for this, um, and I'm eager to hear what the experience has been like for him. We're in the countdown to Figaro. Two weeks we start working on it. This is a, um, it sounds a bit like the Verdi, but it's, it's not at all, actually. It's a mixture of the music from Magic Flute, uh, not the Magic Flute, the Marriage of Figaro, and uh, everyone's favorite music, and it is performed with uh, uh, selections from T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets. Now that sounds out there, and I, I guess in a way it is, um, but actually it's because I sense a synergy between the themes of the new piece, the two pieces. Uh, T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets are his last work, his Farewell to Poetry, they're called. They explore memory, nostalgia, um, the strangeness of time in a way no other work does, except for me, maybe Figaro. And how this came up is years ago, I wanted to do a production of Figaro, which never happened, uh, where the four couples of Figaro, uh, so Carabino and Barberina, Figaro and Susanna, Conte and Contessa, uh, and Marcellina and Bartolo are actually the same couple um, at different stages of a relationship and of their lives. The subtitle to Beaumarchais' original play was One Mad Day. <coughs> Excuse me. One Mad Day. So on this mad day, I imagine that these four couples can uh, meet each other and um, see the younger and older versions of themselves. We'll have uh, an episode on this later and talk a lot about it, but it also includes uh, a fascinating set of projections by a Dutch artist named Klus Mostart, which are calculated to uh, adjust to the dimensionality of the theater. So they take two-dimensional two projections and make them three-dimensional. Uh, and uh, the whole thing is sort of structured around the four seasons. Uh, we'll be doing it with a quartet of four strings. So it's all about the number four, and we'll be 
talking about that much, much more in the future. We do have a director's salon with uh, a physicist from Georgetown, a poet from Georgetown, our own Anna Dini, who is a wonderful scholar of poetics and translator, will be moderating and I'll be talking about Mozart in the classical style a la Charles Rosen. So that's October 9th at Room and Board at 7 p.m. It's a wonderful rooftop terrace. It should be a beautiful October night. There'll be music. Um, and it is helpful if you can RSV per, for that because um, our director's salons are wonderfully successful and full and this is a limited space. I'm going to stop there for today. Uh, it's a short episode. I just wanted to get you ca caught up. Look for us to have an episode in the next couple days with that interview with Brian Ariola. Um, thanks for listening. You can like our podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Check out our blog at www.inseries.wordpress.com. The blog is called Is5. Um, I haven't really talked about what that's about, but I, I promise to do it in an upcoming episode. Check us out on Facebook, Facebook backslash the In Series, or on Instagram at In Series Opera. My personal Instagram is in underscore series underscore ad for artist artist director. Um, I'll leave you with this. Rabindranath Tagore says that civility is the greatest and first work of art. So I'll add to that send off. Make your art a piece of civility. Until next time, this is Timothy Nelson, Artistic Director of the In Series, and this is In Tune.